everybody. I'm Tom Farrell here with my good friend, Sean Swarner. Hey, Tom. Hello, Sean. You ready for another Hope Podcast? You know it. Helping others persevere every day. Uh, today, I'd, I'd like to have a conversation I think both kids and their parents could be empowered by and, and take something from. Cool. What, what do you have in mind? Well, I'd, I'd really like to get into the topic of what kids can do to help themselves when a crisis comes their way. You know, as, as you know, I've been in their shoes, and I really believe my experiences can help them navigate their way through a tough time. And for those who don't know Sean's story, Sean's a two-time terminal cancer survivor. So in my opinion, if there's anybody on this planet who can speak to tough times, you're the man to do it. You know, I, I have been through quite a bit, and, and I also see going through the tragedy into triumph. And I think a lot of people don't really fully understand that when you go through a crisis, when you go through something, something tough, you, know, you can actually come out stronger on the other side. Yeah, let's, let's talk, Sean, a little bit about, you know, the crisis that you encountered. And, and what, what we want to focus on today is uh, how can we help kids today who might be listening and who are going through a crisis of their own? So I don't think there's any better way to do that than to talk about your own life experiences. And, and God knows you've had your, your share, but especially those when you were, when you were a teenager. So let's, let's delve, delve into that a little bit, especially uh, the, the first cancer. Let's talk about when you were 13 years old and all of a sudden you get hit with, with the news that you have cancer. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it started back when I was 13. So anybody who's 13 now, I guess what, that was the eighth grade. I, I, I vividly remember walking through the hallway at school and the walls were, were painted like this baby blue. And I walked into the multi-purpose room, the gymnasium. And for whatever reason, uh, the, the teacher didn't want to go get the pegs for a pegboard. And I don't know if they even have them now. But the pegboard was something where it was, it was attached against the wall. And we had these pegs, and I would just kind of put the pegs in the wall, climbing up the wall, essentially. And for whatever reason, the teacher didn't have them. And I just started playing a pickup basketball game. And when I came down from doing a layup, it, 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 something snapped in my knee. And I remember it just like it was yesterday because the sound – you know, when you have uh, Thanksgiving dinner and you're biting into that turkey leg and you can feel the gristle and everything ripping off of it, that's exactly what my knee sounded like. And instantly, you know, I, I came thumping down and uh, the doctor it thought I had uh, obviously something wrong with my knee. They tested me for a bunch of things because a couple of days after that, my entire body swelled up. And they knew that wasn't just my knee. So initially they thought I had pneumonia and I was separated from my friends and my family. And it was so difficult being away from them. But eventually, as, as we know, you know, I was diagnosed with advanced stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I learned that it, going through anything like that, it's, it's difficult to, to go through it alone, which is why when I was diagnosed at 13 with basically a terminal illness, you know, my friends rallied around me. We, we all became closer, even though they couldn't come visit. 
it, it was difficult because I could potentially die of a common cold. And I was at, in such a, 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 at, at such a low point in my life, you know, being separated from my family but in my friends, but I had, I still had that support and I leaned on them and I reached out to my family and friends to help get through it. And one thing I understood was that bottling up my emotions would eventually lead to an explosion of feelings. You know, there, there was one time when I remember uh, I had an allergic reaction to a, a, an anti-nausal medicine and my eyes would roll back in my head. So I, I, I couldn't control it at all. And it was, it was, it was terrifying to be honest with you. And I remember while I was walking down the, um, the hallway to go get my, my treatment and I looked at my mom and I said, here it goes. And I could feel my eyes start fluttering back, you know, rolling up and back into my head. And I was, I kid you not, it, it made me temporarily blind. And even now it was such a powerful memory. Whenever I get nervous or anxious, I feel like my eyes are going to roll back in my head. And that was, you know, how many years ago? But I remember that, you know, I, I had my mom there to help me out. And I remember that it, it helped me understand that going through what I went through, it really helped to have friends, friends and family there, people who, who love me. You know, I understood that even though we argued, they wanted the best for me and they really wanted to take care of me. So my mom was there to take care of me. The doctors were there to take care of me. The, my friends were there to take care of me. And I also understood that whenever I had bad days, I, I, I knew they were going to be bad, but it was just temporary. And I knew that when I had good days, I took advantage of them. You know, bad days were going to pass, but I, I really took advantage of the good times that I had. And I knew that together, you know, if, if we were open and honest with one another and we, we shared those feelings without having them just explode, you know, slowly letting them out and, and being honest with one another, you know, I knew that together we could get through anything. Pretty amazing perspective for a 13-year-old though, Sean. That is uh, beyond most 13-year-olds comprehension, I think. I think a lot of that probably comes from life experience now, looking back at it at the age you are now. Um, what would you tell a 13 year old right now, if you were to look him in the eye and say, who was going through something like you went through, what, what would you tell him or her? Well, I would, I would let them know that you can be yourself and by being yourself, you know, other people are going to admire that. And if, if, if you look at the world, there are what, almost 8 billion people on the planet. We all have a, a different genetic makeup. You need to find your purpose. You need to find your values. You need to find what's most important to you so you can be happy. If you try to follow someone else's goals and do what someone else is doing, you know, you're going to lose who you are and you're not going to be happy. You're going to be going after something that somebody else wants for you. you know, you're never going to be happy. But once you just stop, you breathe, and you look inside, look at what you truly want. Not what, what others people want for you, but what you want for yourself. You know, that way you can develop who you are, and, and you can even become a stronger person by doing that. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about being 13 years old, that's one stage in life. And then at 16, you got hit with another cancer. And I'm wondering, did you have a different perspective? Did you look at cancer? Did you look at life differently as a 16-year-old than when you were 13 year old going through it? For sure. I think when I was 13, I didn't truly understand death. I didn't truly understand the ramifications of 
what could potentially happen to me going through the cancers. You know, when I was 16, I understood a lot more. You know, I understood what death meant. Uh, like I said, when I went through the first cancer, I, I, I went through the first cancer. I, I got diagnosed with a second cancer. I didn't want to do it again. I, I, my life was over. I, I knew that my friends were going to continue on with their lives. I knew I was going to be stuck at home. I was actually read my last rites. I was given 14 days to live. I was in a coma for a year, and I lost the function of my right lung. I was told I was going to be in the hospital for at least three weeks after my, I had a surgery where they actually cracked open my ribs to remove a tumor. And they told me that the only way I would get out was I had this, this corrugated, it's kind of hard to describe uh, without using my hands, but there was like this corrugated inflatable tube thing that came down. And when I inhaled through a tube, it would suck the bottom of it up towards the top of that round the tube thing that I was mentioning. And the doctor put a, a Sharpie mark on there. And he said, when you get to that point, that's when you can leave the hospital. And he said it was going to take at least three weeks. I was there for five days, believe it or not. I, I pushed myself a little bit more, a little bit more each day. And five days later, I remember wheeling myself to the, uh, the entrance of the hospital, getting into my dad's, my mom and dad's car. And they took me to the local track meet for my, uh, my high school's local um, uh, league track meet. And I was in excruciating pain because I had a number of broken ribs and literally every breath um, sent my nerves into overload. It, it was so painful. But because I was there, and this is what my friends told me later on, they, uh, the team ended up winning by one quarter of a point. And they, they thought to themselves that if I could push myself through that pain, they could push themselves a little bit further to win, to win the, the, the meet. And looking back at it, you know, for me, I think both cancers, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see any friends because if, if they were carrying anything, like I mentioned earlier, if they were carrying anything, I could die of the common cold because of my compromised immune system. But even though we were physically apart, I think we grew closer because the time that we were together, the time that we actually spent together meant more because we, we had that quality time together. It wasn't just the, the fluff of, you know, hey, look at this cat video. Obviously, we didn't, have the, we didn't even have the internet back then. But <laughs> it wouldn't have been, hey, look at this cat video. It was something that, that made me understand that every day was really precious. And the difference between being 13 and 16, when I, when I said, um, like I said earlier, when I was diagnosed at 13, I didn't truly understand what was going on. At 16, I went through the first one. I sure as hell didn't want to do it again. But I did understand that life was very precious. And I had a new appreciation and, and a newfound appreciation for life. And I'm sure a newfound appreciation for your family. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I, I had a, a younger brother. And uh, even though, you know, at, at times we hated each other and you know, we would get into fist fights, but he was always there to support me because we were going through it together. Cancer is not an individual disease, you know, and anybody, anybody who's listening, if they have it, also remember that cancer is a word, not a sentence. And everything that, that anyone's going through right now, it's, it's temporary. It's just like a bad day and a good day. Temporary is such a key word to talk about. Because I think a lot of times people get stuck. It's almost like you think about when your car gets stuck in a snowdrift and your tires just keep spinning and spinning and spinning. I, I have seen so many people 
get stuck. And I think it's people like you that help them get unstuck. So, um, so, so are you comparing me to the tow truck? I am. You're the tow truck. <laughs> Come on in here. Let, let's get some people who are stuck and their wheels are spinning to stop spinning. One of the, one of the things um, that always um, resonates with me that you talk about is, is just having an impact on just one person. And if, if there's one person who might be listening, who needs to get unstuck from wherever they're stuck in right now, I think they should really take heed to what you're saying and, and at least give it a try because uh, giving it a try is half the battle. Exactly. And, and like you were saying, using the analogy of the, the tow truck and, and someone being stuck in snow, you know, my brain's going crazy thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking the weather's going to change. You know, you can change your tires. You can, you can try to rock yourself out. You can get towed out. You can, there are so many ways to get out of being stuck. You know, an, another one is relating the, the tow truck, like, like myself, apparently I'm, I'm the tow truck. I'm the Mack truck coming in there to pull people out. You know, reach out to people, you know, talk to people, get it out. I know so many times when, when people get in a situation and they, they feel like they can't get out, the first thing to do is relax. Don't let anxiety over, overtake you. You, know, you are always in control of your feelings. You can choose how you want to feel in any situation. Another, another thing to remember is, you know, don't bottle it up. Like I said, let it out slowly, but lean on people. You know, whenever you're going through something difficult, always, always reach out to people because they're there to help. You have friends, you have family, and you might be going through it together, different perspectives, but you're still going through it together. You know, I, I think with, with fear, I think the biggest thing when somebody's in a situation, say they're stuck in a car, you know, they're slipping back and forth. There are two words that really make things worse. And it's when they start thinking about the future and those two words always are, what if? What if this happens? What if I'm stuck here forever? What if I can't get out? What if this doesn't change? You know, that's not gonna help. So, one of the big things that my wife and I talk about to our kids, we have four kids, is, is talking out your problems. And a, a lot of times we'll be able to see if one of our guys is struggling because they do tend to become introverted and don't want to talk about it and try to figure it out on their own. And I mean, there's an element of that as a parent that you want your kid to be able to problem solve and work their way through difficult situations. But um, being alone, especially when you're dealing with a major crisis, that, that's not the ticket to take. It's, it's very difficult being alone. Um, but with, with technology now, even though we're, we're so far from one another sometimes, technology can bring us closer together. And in, in turbulent times, understand that you can always reach out in regular times as well. You don't have to wait for something drastic to happen to pick up the phone and say, hey, grandma, how you doing? Or, hey, hey, Tom, what's going on? You know, is there anything I can do to help? Going through adversity, it, it honestly, it makes you stronger. And I, I think for me, it was kind of like hitting reset. You know, there's... Um, uh, was that, that that commercial for Office Max where they hit the the easy button or something like that? For me, it's like hitting that that reset button. 
you know, I, I saw it as having another opportunity to become who I wanted to better myself and to truly understand what was more important in life and what, what I truly valued. Don't get me wrong. Adversity can, can break you, but only if you let it break you, only if you let it get to you. And, and so many people fall down and, and don't get back up. That's failure. That's when you let it get to you. One of my favorite quotes is actually by a guy, you may have heard of him, called C.S. Lewis. And I remember this all the time, that hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. And I think right now, everyone's, we're all ordinary people, but it's up to you to work through that adversity to become and find your extraordinary destiny. Wait, say that one more time about hardships. I love that. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. That's awesome. I love that expression. Hey, one of the things that we always talk about are takeaways. And uh, so whether a kid is going through cancer right now or some other major obstacle or crisis in their life, are there three takeaways in the Sean Swarner toolbox that you always like to go to? In, in, in my climbing uh, gearbox, my, 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 tow truck. my tow truck, that's right. I got my cables, I got my winter tires, <laughs> and I got my, my uh, whatever, my plow. Now, three, three things, and they really relate to one another. And I, I want you to kind of really pay attention to, to the meaning behind them. We talked about one of them. Actually, we talked about all of them. But the first one is don't bottle up your emotions. You're, you're not going through it alone. Second one is lean on each other. You're not going through it alone. The third one, help support someone else. Again, you're not going through it alone. That's, I think that's the biggest key, you, to know that you're not going through it alone. And if you can help one another, lean on one another, and, and talk about what you're going through, it makes things so much easier because you can rely on the strength of one another to pull up the collective whole, to pull up the collective group, to pull up your family, to be stronger together. Hey, did you find different strengths that you got from different people? So your mom might give you one particular strength and then your best friend might give you another strength? I would say so. And off the top of my head, I would say my mom would be the emotional support. My dad would have been the tough love. And my brother was, he was just kind of, I don't want to say he was the comic relief because he, he was in a way, but he was also, also there completely. And even though we argued going through it, I mean, I, I, I was dying and no one knew what was going to happen with my future. They didn't know what was, if I was going to survive the next day sometimes but we all still pulled together and we helped one another out. From my mom, I learned that it's okay to share my emotions. From my dad, I learned that I, I need to push through the tough times. And from my brother, I learned that the family's always there. All right, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, all right? All right. Before we sign off here today, close your eyes and picture yourself as a 13-year-old, okay? Got it. And what's the one thing you would have wanted to hear from somebody to give you strength? As a 13-year-old? As a 13-year-old, my mind goes back to when I was laying in the hospital bed, and I'm looking at myself right now, and I want to tell myself that I was born with all the strength and all the tools that I ever needed for my entire life. I just had to, 
to sharpen the tools. I, I just had to find out what those tools were. And I think lo looking back again, you know, at my 13 year old self, I would say that I, I had everything I needed and that everything was going to be okay. And do you think other people could latch onto that same philosophy? I think everybody could latch on, latch onto that philosophy. Everything is always going to be okay. It's, it's just a temporary state. When, when you're diagnosed with cancer, it, it's not the end. In some ways, it's always potentially the beginning. I love these chats with you, Sean. And as usual, I could go on for forever. <laughs> but I honestly mean it. Like if we have been able to just dial into one particular kid who might be struggling, I'll talk about this every single uh, week because I don't want people to give up hope. Um, you got to just keep plowing through the toughest times. So um, I, I, I want to put that vibe out there just as much as you do. Talk to somebody. Uh, trust somebody. And don't be afraid to share your, your emotions because you did it. And if you can do it, I am sure there's a ton of other kids out there who can do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just a... Uh, a normal guy from Midwest Ohio who grew up in a cornfield who climbed to the top of the earth, you know, the top of Mount Everest. And if a guy who was once given three months to live, 14 days to live, who was uh, in a coma for a year of his life and with one lung climbed Mount Everest, anything's possible. You just have to believe it. It sure is. All right. Well, uh, again, appreciate your time. Always love catching up with you. Until next week, I'm Tom Farrell. He's Sean Swarner. And that's your dose of hope for today.